Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. There's a saying in real estate that it's location, location, location. And in relationships, the experts say, the saying is communication, communication, communication. And while it isn't the only skill needed to create a healthy relationship, it is a foundational one. And it's also one of the main reasons that couples reach out for help. And the truth of the matter is, you and your partner are always communicating. Your choice of words, your tone of voice, your facial expression, your body language, they're all sending a message. Even choosing not to interact with each other is communicating something. And that's why it's a subject that I keep coming back to again and again on the show. It's that important. So to help me on today's journey, I'm joined by licensed clinical social worker and author Robert Taby. So Robert, thanks for coming on the show and again talking about what is a critical yet not often clearly understood aspect of relationships. Yeah, well, thank you for inviting me. Uh, yes, I totally agree with you. I do a lot of couple work, and uh, you know, one of the primary first sentences I hear from folks <laughs> after I ask them, how come you're here, right. is they go, you know, we're having trouble talking. Right. You know? And that could be anything from uh, – from uh, blowout arguments to the fact that we haven't talked for days or we don't mm-hmm. solve problems. Right. And uh, so, yeah, and as you sort of mentioned, I, I kind of think of it as a skill set. You know, it's not a personality thing. I mean, obviously there's personality involved, but, you know, it's not – it's something that people can learn to do and change. So I spend a lot of time doing that with folks. Right, and, and I do too because, you know, it's one of those things where you, you, you say, what's the big deal about communication? You open your mouth and words come out. <laughs> but, and, and, you know, and, and I liken it to when we're babies, everybody's just waiting for the first word, right? Everybody is right. so focused on little kids, but nobody ever actually teaches us how to communicate thoughts, feelings, whatever in in a productive way and so you wrote a piece that appeared on psychology today's website titled three levels of communication which is yours and i loved it where you state that communication is about learning skills and that there are basically three skill levels that couples use when they when they communicate so can you give either like um can you describe what that level one skill is and i think that's kind of what we're talking about the one that there's not much thought yeah. brought into it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, one of the, uh, you know, one of the speeches I kind of give to couples, even in the first session, when they talk about communication, is uh, that skill level number one, which is the analogy I use. It's having conversations like driving a car, uh-huh. and there's two parts of driving a car. Part A is before you get in the car, figure out where you want to go. Now, sometimes uh-huh. you get in the car and you're just driving around, and that's like chatting about your day. Uh-huh. But if it has a purpose, you know, we need to talk about the kid's bedtime. We need to talk about budget. We need to talk about Tuesday night. You know, uh-huh. I don't understand why you got so upset. Uh-huh. Whatever it is, before you start yapping, figure out the point of the conversation. You know, that's so you can kind of move forward, so you can kind of get to where you want to go. 
Um, part B, though, and this is where probably you see and I see most, is you've got to keep the car on the road. And a lot of couples <laughs> I see, the car goes off the road in about five seconds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I say to folks is what happens in your brain is as soon as the conversation gets emotional, your, your amygdala, which is your emotional center, fires up, and the first thing it does is it shuts down your prefrontal lobes and your rational brain goes offline. Uh-huh. And as soon as that happens, the topic that was on the table, the kid's bedtime or the budget or whatever it is, is no longer on the table. The problem now is the emotion itself. Uh-huh. And what people tend to do is at this point you get tunnel vision. And darn it, you want to get the other guy to understand what the heck you're saying. Mm-hmm. And this is where people start stacking up evidence to make their case. Oh, yeah, yeah. why not this? And I got the text that my mother said, oh, yeah, you want to talk about Christmas? Let's talk about Christmas. <laughs> and this is where they're off and running. Uh-huh. And this is where the car started to go off the road. Well, and you know. So what I said, I'm sorry, go well, I mean, yeah, and that's exactly, you know, I, and I say this to people, you know, I have the same conversation, and I kind of use this temperature mm-hmm. scale, right? It's like, if you're hot, mm-hmm. you can't, you're not yeah. having a conversation. You're having, yeah. you know, <laughs> you're having um, uh, what I call dueling monologues. That's right. Yeah, this is where, this is where folks start arguing about whose reality is right, and, uh-huh. and, and what your, you know, kind of what, what your irrational brain is telling you is, you know, if I get the facts right, if I can get you to understand, I'm feeling, you know, I'm, I'm trying to fix your emotions with facts. If I can uh-huh. get you to understand the facts, uh-huh. then you'll calm down. Right. You know, you just need to understand the story. You just uh-huh. need to get it right. But this is where, again, nobody's got a brain, and they can't understand the story, and they actually can't even process the information that you're giving them. Uh-huh. And so what I said to folks is, okay, this is where the car's going off the road. Your first line of defense at this point is to be quiet. Your first line of defense is to not feed the fire because anything uh-huh. you say at this point is like throwing gasoline, gasoline on a fire. It's just going to get worse. And so you want, like, I agree with you. It's like what you said. You want to lower the temperature. And you lower the temperature by being quiet. You, and now you talk about feelings. Don't talk about facts. You're going to go, uh-huh. hold on. What's going on? How come you're getting upset? Mm-hmm. And I always say to folks, this is where you have to sound like Mr. Rogers. You don't go, <laughs> what the heck? You're getting mad. Right. You're going to go, why are you getting upset? And you, cause you're, if you're both getting upset, though, this is where you've got to stop the car. Mm-hmm. This is where the car is going off the road. This is where couples do damage. They say yes. ugly stuff. This is where it gets violent. And somebody's got to get their brain back online. Mm-hmm. And so this is where you say the car is going off the road. And this is where I say to folks, okay, this is where you, you do, what you say at this point is, I'm getting upset. I need to cool off. Uh-huh. I'll come back. What you don't want to say is, I'm not talking about this anymore. I'm out of here. Right. They're going to feel cut off, and now they're going to chase you down the hallway or right. down the driveway. You always do this. Get back here. Don't you go. Well, and, and it's – And you do – but, you know, and, and that is so critical because you know, that's the advice I tell people is like take a time out. But there's a second part to yeah. that, that if you – but you have to come back. And that's the okay. part where other – you know, it's like because if I, if I say I need to co- time to calm down, but then I never come back to have the conversation, that's you're right. not going to let me go. Right. And, and that's why uh, – and I even say to folks, you know, set a timer. 
yep. you know, get one of those white kitchen timer things mm-hmm. and put it on the counter and kind of go, oh, I'm going to set it for an hour. I'll be back. Just right. so the other person knows you're coming back. Part B, right. though, back to your question, you know, is where do people get stuck? So part A is about, okay, this is the first aid part. And where uh-huh. folks are struggling in that first stage is the car goes off the road and they're not aware of it. Uh-huh. You know, and things kind of go disaster. But part B is at some point you want to get the car back on the road. Uh-huh. And this is where, again, couples at this stage can get stuck. What they often do is either they kind of make up, you know, they meet in the kitchen the next morning. They go, sorry about last night. And they go, right. yeah, me too. We okay? Yeah, we're okay. Can we have a hug? Sure, okay. But, uh-huh. but they don't go back and talk about the problem because they don't want to have another fight. Right. So this is where couples start sweeping stuff under the rug. And I've met them, you've met them, uh-huh. you know, 5, 10, 15 years into a marriage. they got about 500 things we don't talk about. Uh-huh. You know, we don't talk about your mother. We don't talk <laughs> about Christmas 2016. We don't talk about that business trip you took back and whatever. We don't and talk now, about the affair. <laughs> right. <laughs> and in, in another five years, the only thing we're going to talk about is the weather. Uh-huh. Soccer game. And so, so you've got to go back. And talk about you got to go back and talk about the problem. And I say to folks, you need to talk about talking. Yes. What's the moral of the story of of the argument we had? Uh-huh. You know, what did we learn? And this is where people you go. You know, you know, when you start to wave your finger in front of my face, I start to feel like you're treating me like I'm ten years old. It drives me crazy. You go, right. Good to right. know. What other couples do is. They don't even do that. They, they just don't talk for three or four days. Right, which is awful. And then they start, a, start talking, and then they don't even, even, don't even make up. They don't do anything. So what's, they got to go, so do both. So what's different? So, so that's level one. So what is yeah. level two communication, and how do couples get there? Okay. So, um, um, so level two, if they've been in therapy before or they're insightful or they do a better job of being able – because where, where the couples in the first stage kind of get stuck is they're also struggling with self-regulation. Uh-huh. You know, they, they're having a hard time regulating their emotions. Uh-huh. And some folks do this better than others. Uh, and, again, I think that's a skill set. Uh-huh. Um, and, but, but what they're able to do is they're starting to realize that the car is going off the road. You know, so this is where I hear couples go. They start to get into it. You know, they start to heat up. And then somebody brings up, yeah, but what about the time you did blah, blah, uh-huh. blah? And the other guy goes, hold on, hold on. I, 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 we're not talking about that now. Can we go back and just kind of talk about the kid's bedtime? Right. You know, and, and they're able to kind of see that we don't want to feed the fire. They're able to catch, you know, kind of keep the car on the road. Uh-huh. And if it starts, and they're able to stop sooner, you know, so even if it starts to get heated up, they're either able to kind of shift back and kind of go, okay, let's, I, I need to take a break before it gets too hot and heavy, uh-huh. um, or they're able to kind of circle back and stay focused. But the other thing they're good at is they can circle back and actually solve the problem. And that's really okay. important. You know, right. they come back and we go, sorry about last night, and we still need to talk about this. You know, uh-huh. they're not going to sweep it under the rug. And that's really, really important because that's now you, you're starting to solve problems. Right. The other thing where they can sometimes get stuck, and this is true for, you know, a lot of couples, is you, you kind of lose sight of the problem because you start to argue about means versus ends. You know, we're going we're gonna to talk about, we're worried about Billy's, you know, 
uh, struggle with math, but instead of focusing on how do we help Billy, we start to get into an argument about whether we should hire a tutor or whether we should talk to the teacher or who should be in charge of it or whatever. Uh huh. And and you kind of get into that, and then you kind of lose sight of, okay, we we need to solve the problem. And and even these kind of couples can can get into that. You know, they start to confuse means and ends. Right. I mean, and under stress. Okay, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean that's you. Know, yeah, sometimes I I talk to people about you know understanding. You know, they're trying to solve a problem sometimes before they've completely identified what it is. So they're actually trying yeah, yeah, yeah. to resolve. Oh, or actually, both people look at it at a different level. That I'm thinking yeah. it's this, and you're yeah. thinking it's this other thing, but we're but yeah. we're using the same words because <laughs> that's all we've got. But but we never keep but we never can find resolution because we're actually haven't clearly identified what one person is talking about. Absolutely, yeah, and 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 we're you know to, to backtrack, you know, where where the level one kind of couples get stuck is they start talking about whose reality is right. Oh gosh, yeah. But um, but they also get into one uh, of uh, you know one of the skill sets is realizing who's got the problem, you know, and what happens for again couples who are struggling is I got a problem. And as soon as I can get you to do what I think you need to do, I will feel better. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. never works. No. <laughs> just, as, just as trying to fix feelings with facts never works. Well, yeah. To get the other guy to do what you. And so part of part of it is realize, owning your own problem. And and level two folks are better at this. They kind of go, you know, I know you may not be worried about Billy and his math stuff, but uh-huh. I'm worried about it. Right. You know, and I'm thinking maybe we need to kind of help them with it or whatever. But the other person may go, I'm not worried about it. You know, it's right. his responsibility, you know, and, you know, he had trouble with English last year and he did fine. Right. Then then it's back to me. Well, you know, but, what, what, you know. but it's interesting because because what you just described is what I see all the time is that one person is has is having a feeling about something a fear about mm-hmm. something it's like okay so what's the yeah. what's what's behind the concern about Billy's yeah. struggles in math there's there's a bigger right. meaning to that and so one per, like you say one person is dealing at the at the fact level and the yep. other person is dealing at the feeling level and yeah. those the, and, and I tell people you're having two different conversations Absolutely. Even though you yeah. think you're having the same one, which you know, kind of surprises people. <laughs> it's like, well, no, we're talking yeah. about Billy's, you know, Billy's schooling. I said, no, you're not. <laughs> you're you're right. talking about the fear that somehow my child isn't going to be successful. Right. Or that right. I'm a bad and, parent and, or yes. whatever or it, it is. Gets cl- yeah. Or it gets clouded, you know, not all, yes. It's a two-parter. You know, part mm-hmm. A is I go, what, what, what are you most worried about? Help your partner understand how come this is, a, you know, a big deal for you. And right. I have to say that. I'm worried he's not going to be successful. He's going to, it's going to hurt his self-esteem, and he's going to see himself as a loser or whatever. Right. Good to know. Right. And, but the other part is, you know, again, I'm, a, I'm big on process, where mm-hmm. oftentimes it gets cloudy, and again, particularly for folks at the, that first level, is – they don't even hear the story about Billy and the worry. What they hear is you're trying, you're trying to control me. Right. You know, you're trying to tell me what to do. And that's, and that becomes the, you know, that's where the car goes off the road. 
Oh yes, I love that. You know, I was talking. I, I think we're talking about Billy, but actually we're talking about the fact that you're always telling me what to do, right? <laughs> and I'm feeling micromanaged. Right. Yeah. I always. I was. I was just. I was just using that word the other day with a couple. I said, yeah, yeah, what we have going, I said, I'm waiting to hear the C word. And he looked up. I said, no, no, control is the word I'm talking about. That's right. So this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm having a conversation about the levels of communication skills that couples need with licensed clinical social worker and author Robert Taby. And if you and your partner struggle to communicate in an effective and supportive way, guess what? You are not alone. The good news, though, is that like any skill, you can learn to get better at it. And the truth is, if you want a healthy, happy marriage where you feel loved and supported, you actually need to. And I can help. So I invite you to take a moment and send me an email or give me a call and schedule your free five-star relationship call. You can reach me by email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, and is in Nancy, C is in Charlie, or you can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. And I want to get back to this conversation about communication skill levels. So, Robert, can you describe what couples who use levels three skills do differently yeah so, so this is the uh, you know what I said in the article these, these are kind of the race car drivers mm-hmm. and you know what's different about them you know the, the, the level one folks are the car goes off the road quickly and they have a hard time realizing the cars going off the road they have a hard time sort of self-correcting level two people do a better job of that they can kind of keep the car on the road but under stress depending on who's tired depending on the topic uh-huh. You know, sometimes the car is going to go off the road, but they do a better job of circling back or do a better job of kind of mopping off. They do a better job of trying to solve the problem. The, okay. You know, the ultimate here, um, you know, the level three folks are able, you know, what I, what I, the way I think about it is sort of what the micro process. You know, what I'm always, I'm aware of it, you know, you're aware of it too because, because you work with couples. Uh-huh. is, you know, in some ways, being a therapist, I, I can be the ideal partner or parent or whatever it is for, for an hour, uh-huh. <laughs> you know. Right. And, you know, <laughs> and, you know and, and what that means is you're, you're tracking the conversation much more closely, uh-huh. you know, where if I say something and somebody makes a face or they kind of shake their head, there's a problem in the room, uh-huh. you know, automatically there's a problem in the room. And, you know, as a therapist, I don't go, you don't, you don't go forward. You know, there's mm-hmm. a problem in the room. We need to fix it before it kind of goes, you know, before it accumulates, uh-huh. you know, so if somebody shakes their head, I'm going to go, you're, you're making a face. What, right. What What's feeling? that about? What thinking? Mm-hmm. What's that all about? But couples can learn to do the same thing. You know, as soon as, you know, you, if you say something and you get some kind of emotional reaction you're not expecting, the other person starts to make a face, uh-huh. what's going on, there's a miscommunication and there's a problem in the room. Uh-huh. And again, it's e- the easy tendency is to push harder, you know, yes. to say it again. Right. Or to stack up more facts or right. to pull out the text 
and mm-hmm. read the text and do whatever it is. And you don't want to do that. You know, the skill level years ago, hold on, hold on. What, what, what just happened? Right. Did it hurt your feelings or you seem like you're upset or whatever. But then it's kind of, and again, it's like my analogy of driving a car. It's kind of like, you know, the car starts to swerve a little bit. You can make those micro corrections in the steering wheel, you know, to stay going forward. Uh-huh. And so couples who are able to do this do a great job with it. You know, they're able to kind of go, hold on, why are you getting upset? Uh-huh. Or, you know, what just happened? Already something's being misheard. Uh-huh. It's not about anybody's fault. It's not about you just did X. It's more about the fact that something's breaking down here. Somebody got triggered. Somebody's not hearing something that, you know, they're hearing something in the way I didn't intend. Right. Their feelings are hurt. Something. And we've got to fix it. We're not going to go forward. We're going to stop and fix that right now mm-hmm. so we can, we can kind of we, we move ahead. And, and, they, and these couples can do that really, really well. And, and what they also do is um, they're able to circle back even, even more quickly. You know, right. They're not going to sleep on the couch overnight. You know, half hour later, they're going to go, hey, I'm sorry, I snapped at you. You uh-huh. know, I'm tired or I was hungry and I didn't mean to give you a hard time. Uh-huh. Can we try this again? You know, it right. take them 48 hours to be able to get back to it. Well, I mean, and that's, you know, and that's really interesting because, you know, I'm sure people listening to this going, oh, well, that's really great. But, but you know, my, my, partner, my partner just said something that just really ticked me off and I'm off to the races. Sure. <laughs> so it's like, sure. okay, so I mean, because, you know, and, and, and again, I, you know, I, I teach this and this is where um, the reflective listening comes in where it's like I actually, sure. before, I re, you know, before I respond, I actually go, so what I heard was ABC, is yeah. that right? Because again, yeah. I mean, this is one of the things that I tell my clients, I'm sure you do too, that what somebody hears is not necessarily what you meant. But words can have several meanings. I mean, I, you know, I've told this story many times about a couple that she was, they were not in a good place. She was going away for the weekend with her friends. And what he said to her was, I don't want you to go. Those were the, and they both agreed those were the words that came out of his mouth. She yeah. heard, I'm forbidding you to go. He yeah. meant, I'm right. going to miss you. Now, <laughs> now, now again, right, right. and I think this goes back to that original thing that you said, which is so so important about where 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 do I want this conversation to go what is the purpose of the conversation I'm about to have what am I trying to accomplish and I think that step right there just figuring out okay so I'm getting in the car where am I going am I going to Target am I going you know to the mall where am I going and you know and and this is one of those things where if I'm not clear, and oh, by the way, I haven't invited my partner to go to that destination with me, they might think yeah. we're going somewhere else. And so, okay. so how do people learn to do this? Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I, what's, what's coming to mind is I remember, somebody, I remember somebody saying a long time ago, you know, the only thing people see are your, are your behaviors. They don't never see your intentions. Right. And so part of it is being able to talk about your intentions, you know, put things in context, let people know we're going to target and why not, you know, not something else. 
Right. And and it's a practice skill. And, you, you know, I, I always say, the you know, the hardest people to talk to are your partners and your parents, generally, uh, or maybe your boss, uh-huh. <laughs> an authority. Right. But, you know, but you can practice this, this kind of stuff, you know, anywhere else. You know, so if you're having lunch with a friend, you know, you, you, where it's a more relaxed kind of environment, you know, when a conversation starts to go off or you see them kind of, uh, you know, raising their eyebrow about something you said, you know, you, you can kind of stop and pay attention to it. Uh-huh. One, one of the, the other thing I, I give couples as a, as a homework assignment is I'd say, I t- what I say to them is you know how to have productive, same kind of conversations because undoubtedly you do it on your job 24-7. Right. You're sitting in a staff meeting People say stupid things, and you don't get up and throw a chair across the room, you know, or stomp away. Right. And you're able to kind of whatever. But here, what's what's hard here is you know how to push each other's buttons, and you have uh-huh. history, and you got all the resentments. And what so one of my homework assignments is to have what I call a business meeting. And a business meeting means you pick a time when you both are sane, like uh-huh. nine o'clock on a. Saturday morning, not uh-huh. 11 o'clock Tuesday night after you've had three beers. Uh, right. <laughs> and and you, you're going to pretend you're at work. You're gonna, it's, you're gonna, it's like a staff meeting, and you're going to have an agenda. And the reason you have an agenda is going to have like two things on it, because uh-huh. you're going to do this for like a half hour, and figure out why it's on the agenda. But part of it, too, that happens for a lot of couples is one person – tends to be what I call the ponderer. You know, they don't do well thinking on your, their feet. <laughs> you uh-huh. hit them up at 11 o'clock on Tuesday night, they get defensive and they kind of get rattled and then they get uh-huh. angry. And generally they're connected to somebody who's more spontaneous, where we got a problem, we got to talk about it. We have now. to solve it right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And so the idea here is the ponderer has time on Tuesday to kind of go, okay, let me think about what I want to talk about on Saturday. Uh-huh. And the spontaneous person goes, okay, we don't have to talk about this now at 11 o'clock. We'll talk about it Saturday. I can figure it out. Right. And right. then you meet on Saturday for a half hour, and you pretend you're at work. And your job is to move forward. Don't get in the weeds. Don't start talking about who said what when. You uh-huh. did this. No, I didn't. And try to, And your job is to just focus on you. You focus on yep. not getting upset. You focus on keeping the car on the road. You focus on trying to solve the problem. If it gets hot, if, it, if you're getting emotional, you stop. Right. But the, and you only do it for a half hour, but the idea here is to have an experience of having a successful, productive conversation. Yep. And you do it for only a half hour because if you do it too long, you're going to decompensate and fall back into old patterns. Right. They so want to quit while you're ahead. But, yep. it, but it's also important because now as a couple, you start cleaning out all those problems you've been sweeping under the rug. Uh-huh. And that's really important, you know, so they don't become landmines that you're always walking around. Yeah, um, I mean, but yeah. it, it, and but it's, it's so funny because I, I, I recommend something very similar, but go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, but, you know, the idea here is to take baby steps. And, and again, it's about increasing awareness of what's unfolding in the room. Uh-huh. You, I mean, you could even... You know, even just as a skill set, you know, if you're in a restaurant and you overhear people talking, you can just kind of listen to see how well they are able to keep the car on the road. Right. You know, but you're, you're trying to increase your sensitivity. You increase your sensitivity to your own emotional reactions, 
Can you kind of tell when conversations are going off course? Can you pay attention when somebody's making a face or they're starting to get defensive? You know, that kind of fine-tuning. It's the same way you learned how to drive a car. You know, when you first started to learn the car, the car was going all over the road. Right. Because you didn't know how to steer the steer it. And so it's a practice. It's a practice. And, and, uh, and again, you know, if, if you do get into trouble and the car goes off the road, this is where I say again to folks, part of your mopping up conversation is what did we learn? What right. Is the moral of the story of our argument about uh-huh. how we need to communicate. You know, we can't talk at 11 o'clock at night. Uh, you know, it's not going to yeah. work. Yeah. You know, or, you know, we need to write this down ahead of time because I get too confused because it's too much information. Right. Whatever. Well, and I, yeah, and, and I love it because, you know, my, one of my rules of thumb is do not have a serious conversation after 8 o'clock at night if you can at all help it because we're tired. Yes. And you, did, and you did point out something else that I think is critical in that, in the difference between, I call it somebody who, you know, who might, who, a processor, somebody who needs time to, to work through yeah. things versus the person who can, you know, think fast on their feet. And, and they're just different styles. One's not better than the other. Absolutely. They're just different styles. But, but, you know, but I do know, and it was funny, I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday about, you know, she, you know, she she she's stuck in this in this uncertainty. She's waiting for test results, and mm-hmm. you know, she goes, "I want to know now." <laughs> it's right. like I right. get that you want to know now, but first off, you're not going to know now. So how do you handle that? And, you know, and that's one of the things I tell my clients is that you know the only thing that requires an immediate answer is does the doctor perform emergency surgery? Everything else we've got time for, but we don't necessarily because because it's upsetting to me, and that is so critical. So I'm wondering um, to to wrap up if there is anything a practical skill that you can suggest for people to figure out. You know when they're starting to spin out emotionally when 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 they're when they're you know when they're driving their car into the ditch yeah well again it's it's about training yourself to pay attention to you uh-huh. again when things usually get heated up, you start to pay attention more to the other guy and what they're saying right and so you know kind of keeping your head close to you and kind of go, okay, how am I doing? I'm starting uh-huh. to get upset or I can't hear this or I'm starting to get overloaded. Just to be able to kind of, you know, and be able, and if you need to, you know, just kind of slow it down. Uh-huh. You know, planning a meeting makes it easier to do that so you're not getting caught off guard. And, and also just being able to kind of, you know, be pick and choose about that. You know, even if it's 8 o'clock at night, the other person says, can, you know, can we talk about the kid's bedtime? And you go, <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, not really now. Or this is, <laughs> yeah. Or, or this is where, you know, I talk to you know, people about, Gottman's, uh, you know, broadcasting your emotions. You know, if you had a lousy day at work and you know you're irritable, uh-huh. you know, when you're driving home at 4 o'clock, you're going to text the, the other person and go, hey, I just want to let you know I'm in a bad mood, I'm irritable, I'm going to uh-huh. need some time to kind of chill out when I get home. Yep. So you don't, so you don't hit the front door and start uh-huh. yelling at the kids' toys in the living room. Right. And that's about emotional, that's about emotional responsibility. Mm-hmm. The, the, the other thing, you know, and we don't have time to talk about it, but the other thing I think it's important for folks to map out is kind of what we've been alluding to is everybody's got one or two emotional wounds that they're particularly hot-wired for. 
Yep. You know, and the classic one is one person sensitive to being micromanaged and controlled, and the other person sensitive to feeling dismissed and not heard. Right. And one of the things that needs to be talked about, I even tell people if you're dating, find this out by the fourth date. Yep. You know, find out. You want to know what pushes the other guy's buttons. And and that's a, that's a separate and important kind of conversation about, <laughs> you know, what that is. It doesn't mean I duct tape my mouth shut. Right. I can't tell you things. I just got to be careful about it. But we're going to cut a deal. I'm going to try not to step on your wounds. I'm going to try not to be so micromanaging and tell you how to drive to Walmart. Uh-huh. And you, you need to be sensitive to mine. Right. You know, don't dismiss everything I say. Don't. Right. Give me an opportunity to express how I feel. And we're going to cut a deal. We're not going yeah. to argue about whose reality is right, who's <laughs> more, whose problem is more important, mm-hmm. you know, or who's too sensitive. We're not going to do that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is, yeah. And I think that's an important, important thing for couples to understand about the other guy. Yes, and, and you said something so incredibly important about that when you know when you're, where your partner's wounds are or struggles are, you do not go there. You do not purposely right. go there. That is, that to me is right. the most unloving behavior that exists. Well, Robert, thank you so much for sharing all of this. And can you share where people can learn more about you and, and, and how, to, how to work through these, these communication levels? Sure, sure. I, 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 I do have a blog on psychology today. You just punch in my name on psychology today. Uh, it's called, the blog is called Fixing Families. I've got about 500 articles on there, um, tons of stuff about relationships, stuff and skills. I've uh-huh. also written 13 books. <laughs> and uh, and um, one book is called Couples Therapy. And it's, it's written for students in graduate schools and things like that. But it's very user-friendly. And so I've had folks who, who just read it to read it. Um, Great. And I also have a website. And you can come check me out. So terrific, because as I've said before, any two people will disagree about something at some point in time. It's how they handle those disagreements that will determine the health and success of their relationship. So a question I have is, which level do you think you and your partner are at? And if it's not level three, what needs to happen to get you there. And hopefully this show has been very helpful for you about that. And until next week, stay loving.